take care, brush your hair, because respecting box season is upon us. In this corner with Brian Campbell is back on the scene. Yes, crispy and clean with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio. You don't need plaster of Paris to know that this is another hard-hitting episode coming your way. Brought to you by the man with the plan, the Brian Campbell and the second most beloved ginger in all of the sweet science you know and love him. Rafe Boogs himself. We'll get to him in a second. But after a week off due to elective surgery, where the fine doctor was kind enough to say this to me. Come on, let me let me put some water on your balls. It may be true that I will no longer be fathering children, but that doesn't mean TBC will cease from siring some fine audio as we talk junior middleweights today with you on the boxing episode. Fresh off an exciting triple header of title fights on Showtime. We will also have a fun interview with rising WBC champion Jermall Charlo. That's Jermell later in the show, some 48 hours removed from his impressive first round KO of Erickson Lubin. You don't want to miss this. And before I tag in the man called Boogs, let me remind you one more time. That although this audio you're consuming is free for the taking on the ITC, we still greatly benefit from the currency of your kind words and thoughts. Because let's face it, folks, you already know what I think of you guys. I love you. I make you a bad. But if you have yet to take the time to share your thoughts about us, then... If you have 60 seconds to spare, why don't you do me a favor? Head on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, review, heck, shout us out on social media using that hashtag in this corner. It goes a long way. But now it's time to welcome in the man who makes the magic in the sphere of audio boxeo. He's a world-renowned author, editor, and host of such fine television series as CNN Philippines Hoop Nation, which can now be binged upon in English on YouTube, he's Wraith Bartholomew, and while he prefers the classic Smokey Robinson edition best, he's no stranger to getting down to Huey and Gwyneth breaking it down. Cruising together. Bugs, my man. How is it? Respect was made for bucks. So I'm Cruising about. was made for Brian, I love the cruiserweight so much. I uh I went looking for cruiserweight films. I watched this Al Pacino movie called Cruising from the 1970s, and boy, was I let down. This was not what I was <laughs> expecting. This is a different kind of cruising, but I still love it when we're cruising together. Um, How are you? Are you Jamal Charlo style? I'm good after your, uh, after your elective surgery. Look, I don't, like, I don't mean to come off as like a guy who can't tolerate pain, but this is a different region of the body to bite down, if you will. And you know, like we say on this show a lot, right? Like, don't, don't, don't tease the bag, right? Because, you know, well, it was me, unfortunately, who was in a bit of a mess during this elective surgery. That is a painful, Endeavor, Rafe B. So all of you uh, fine young men out there just know what, what may be in your future. Wow, Rafe. Wow. I'm good. I'm good. How do you recover from that? Somebody should have warned me, right? Just like somebody this weekend probably should have warned Erickson Lubin to this. That, hey, that black guy, he hits hard. But, man, will we get to the weekend breakdown in a second. Rafe Boogs, you're on the East Coast this week. You're uh, you're still peddling some books out there right here? What's happening? Oh, uh, yeah, selling books always, always. Selling selling whatever I need, you know. Um, no, actually coming out here and just doing a little bit of work, seeing family. Uh, and and I, I try and get, you know, back on the East Coast as much as I can, you know, back in the – the uh, the motherland here with uh, with the one and only Paulie Malignaggi, man. We're New Yorkers. Yeah, from Brooklyn to the world, you're actually a Manhattanite. Is that what we call them? 
Is that what we call it? I don't care. I'm from Manhattan, yeah. Yeah, but you retain that blue-collar Midwestern work ethic, though, which can be read upon in the in the pages of McSorley's uh, – two and two, McSorley's My Dad and Me. How about that very bungled uh, Let's go. Let's keep right putting there. it over, though. You know, we've got three more plugs before we're out of here. Yeah, yeah. Might get hair plugs by the end of it. All right, Rafe, it's a, it's a weekend of action. Showtime, Brooklyn, New York, Saturday night. A triple header of title fights in the junior – Middleweight division one five four, as Amir Khan might say it, Rafe. But look, a division that's that's historically been good through the years because welterweight's your money division of boxing in this modern era. Guys at forty seven move up. You tend to get some good fighters, some good fights. This division hasn't had much of an identity since Canelo was campaigning at Canelo weight for a while. But now I think we are back, Rafe. This was a fun weekend. Let's hit it fight by fight. We started off opening the show. IBF champion Jarrett Hurd, 10th round TKO, Austin Trout. Rafe, I thought this one on paper had the chance to be the best of the three fights because it, it, there was some chess to this. There was the veteran Trout going in there to see if he can school the powerful but still really green, in, which is what you saw in, Jar- in Jarrett Hurd. But, man, the young man caught up with him. Your thoughts from this one. Yeah, I, you know, I had not paid too close attention to Hurd's career before this, you know, as you saw the Tony Harrison fight, uh, but just, you know, we hadn't seen him in too many meaningful fights, and this was the, and this was one of them. Uh, you know, I, I'm an Austin Trout fan. We talked to him you know, a few die. weeks ago. Great guy, you know, have, have sort of, uh, rooted for him ever since that, you know, that, uh, sort of rousing win over Miguel Cotto in the garden. So, it's t- it was tough to see him lose in this way where he fought well, you know, but he's just the physical tools that he brings in this division are, 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 in, you know, more, um, you know, outgun. He's more outgunned than ever as he gets older. And it's hard to watch a good fighter, uh, who's outboxing a guy just sort of, you know, lose that battle of attrition. Oh, for sure. And we'll get more in, in when we get into prime wash later about Trout's future. But in this one, Rafe, we knew he would get the tricky southpaw defensive style that Trout brings, right? A lot of jab into the body, a lot of misdirection. But he was way more offensive inclined in this one than I expected him to be. And you know what that made? It made two things at one time. It made a really fun fight for the first six to seven rounds, specifically that five through seven area where Swift Hurd started to catch up after I thought Trout really went out to a solid lead. But it also sped up his demise because he kept himself in the pocket for too much action, and he was willing to stand in there, and he even Trout hit some big shots, but without big pop, he wasn't able to slow down Hurd. Do you take any negatives from Hurd here, or, or do you do you frame it as here's a guy who's young, powerful, and growing, and this was another learning experience in which, by the way, he won in the end. He walked down Trout until the corner was forced in the tenth round to to say no more. Your eye is closing. You're looking like uh, Eric Stoltz from the Mask movie. Like it's not a good, not a good look right now. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't think Hurd can pull that off against the bigger guys in this division. Uh, unless he, unless he has a, an out of this world chin, um, you know, like we saw, I would not want to walk into a fight with, uh, Jermel Charlo and, and not be a, as near, you know, have not be a very good boxer compared to Charlo and then, you know, take shots from him. Like he, I don't, I don't see him winning in those kind of fights uh so yeah assuming they and they talked about making that fight since both guys won uh 
And if that happens, I would favor Charlo pretty uh, – I would favor him without much hesitation. But Hurt, fun though. Fun because he is an incomplete item up to this point. Fun because when you have that kind of power – and there's a little bit of awkwardness to him that I thought Pauly Malinaji addressed well on the broadcast in terms of like – He's, you know, he comes forward, but there's a little bit of added wrinkles to how he throws punches and how he walks you down. He weathered that storm well, and it was more of a mental storm. It was more of a Austin Trout, the veteran, is outclassing me in the first few rounds. You know, he's coming at me from weird angles. He's, he's not, he's not letting me set my feet, but I thought you have to give Hurd credit for being incomplete. Mentally, he didn't crack, right? You know, he didn't start fighting dangerously. He stuck to a game plan, and he just started chipping away over time. I'm, I'm gonna say that, yeah, today, right now on paper, him against Charlo, yeah, probably not going to come out on top, but he's moving in the right direction, Rafe. Yeah, other question is, can he stay in that division? I mean, he's he looked huge, huge. Uh, he's almost six feet tall. Um, I don't know how he boils down to 154. I don't know how long he can continue doing it. And obviously, moving up to middleweight, there will be other good fighters there, guys who can take his punch where the physical advantage of being so big might not be as great. Absolutely. We will get to more of the bigger picture in a second, but let's keep going fight by fight here. WBC champ Jermel Charlo in the co-main KO1. Erickson Lubin, Rafe, this was our highlight of the weekend here. A little bit of an awkward shot, a counter right hand as Lubin was bending forward, sort of leaned into it. It looked like a glancing blow upon first watch. Then you watch it again. You see how flush he got hit. You see how his body reacted. It looked like he went cold on the way down, then woke up but didn't have the use of half of his body. So the question coming in, and we were unable to preview this fight as we took last week off, I was, you know, in my written preview, I was like, too much too soon for Lupin. I really feel like it is. A guy who's just 22, been fighting a steady level of improvements each fight. Guys that only had one loss or guys who were unbeat, but nobody on this level. He seemed to be a dare-to-be-great mentality, but also a dare-to-get-KO'd mentality to come at this too soon. You hate to see KO1 be the end of it for Lupin, but the bigger story, of course, is the Rafe, the Charlos are freaking nasty. Like, they are nasty. They are improving every fight, and they are evolving into straight-up killers, right? I mean, hashtag Lions only. You on board here? Yeah. Well, I mean, what? I, let me – I. I'm not so – I think Lubin, you know, I mean, you can you can recover from a first-round one-punch knockout. Uh, it's the kind of thing where he did, it's not like he took a, a career-altering beating. Uh, he's 22 years old. He'll be able to build himself back up. You know, yeah, maybe he should have fought a couple more Lenny Bowties. Uh, the great know, Lenny Bowties. Guys, you know, the, 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 some barefoot boxers, some guys wearing, you know, work boots, sneakers, <laughs> boat, the whole bowtie family uh, before he stepped in there with Charlo. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm not – that worried about Lubin he's you know we see that he has talent the only question now and and is it you know does he have a chin problem or was that just a great shot that was so very so creative I mean like that that is not a punch you see you know in most fights period let alone land cleanly and knock someone out in one shot I mean it was like you know it was like a it was like a, a shovel punch you know I mean uh it, it was a straight Oh, it, it was you know, like began as a like like an uppercut would and 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 arrived straight. Um, it was just it was it was a really it was a really creative, cool shot from Charlo and and yeah, these guys are nasty. I mean, they're nasty the way they're they're getting guys out of the ring and they're nasty afterwards. Uh, there there's a new there's an edge to them. Oh my that, gosh, uh, it's I like it because for all these years, I mean, you couldn't tell. I mean, I guess you some people probably still cannot tell the Charlo twins apart, but. 
they, you, they also weren't showing much personality. They were like, you know, they're just sort of steadily marching through these, the, the their, their progression as, as prospects, uh, and, and not really giving you much feeling just like, all right, these guys can box. Like, I don't know how good they are. Well, now we know that they are very, very good and they're, they're, they're nasty. They're mean. I love that meanness. You, you, you said it well. It's giving them an identity, but also, it's sort of, it's not just a meanness on the microphone, which, you know, after each match, like, you know, you remember seeing, I think it was Jermall Charlo with, with Julian Williams, right? Like, like jaw with him afterwards. And now you're seeing Jermell have another moment after the match of just still being <laughs> fired up, still being angry. And I think it's spilling over into the ring, which is a good thing. Cause you know, the identity Jermell Charlo used to have was that he was of the two twins, the slicker boxer, the guy who wasn't afraid to maybe stink out a fight from distance if he had to, right? I mean, he looked great outboxing Gabriel. Rosado, now that now that's three years ago, by the way, you know, he, he looked really good uh, putting away Vanus, outboxing Vanus in a close fight. But there were still times in that fight where you're like, why doesn't he put the foot on the gas pedal? Why is he so did Vanus ever get that uh, that lion's only tattoo? He promised, no, but he uh, still he still owes him that. I mean, he should he should get out, get out there. And, you know, I mean, John Anik got the 209 tattoo after after uh, Nate Diaz beat uh, Conor McGregor. You got to pay up in that regard. But Rafe, this is a big difference between. The Jermel that we saw against both of those guys we mentioned, or the, you know, this is a guy who comes after it. It's four straight stoppages, but it's really three in a row that are super impressive. John Jackson, when he was losing on the cards and getting outboxed, which was very surprising, knocks him out in 2016. Charles Hatley earlier this year, where it was touch and go for a little bit, there was a, there was a lot of boxing, and then Charlo put him away. Now a one punch KO special. Wow, Rafe. Charlo's for real. You hope, like you mentioned, that Lubin can bounce back. I mean, here's a guy who skipped being an Olympic hopeful to turn pro at 18, right? Remember when Mike Tyson was promoting, gave him a lot of money, brought him on to be the face of that, moving up quickly. I'd like to see what he has to say next in the future. But the main event, oh, man, right? Like, disappointing that Al Heyman, PBC, Showtime would all team up and say, of the available fights on paper, the available fighters on paper, let's put Arislandi Lara, WBA champion, in the main event against Terrell Gaucher. Certainly, Lara had been, you know, outside of Canelo, Lara's the face of this division for 10 years, you know, for seven or eight years at this point. He's, you know, money-wise, he got paid 700000 where nobody else made more than the four fifty that Jermel did. Obviously, Lara is that man, but to put him in a main event against a non-exciting opponent in Terrell Gaucher, the former U.S. Olympian. He was unbeaten coming in. Doesn't have a lot of pop, right? Is a little bit more of a tricky fighter. You're setting him up to fail almost in the same way that Guillermo Rigondeaux was against Joseph Ekbeko late 2013 in Atlantic City. I was there that night. He was set up to fail, and guess what? He failed in a big way. <laughs> you kind of had that here. Laura did score a mid-round knockdown. Well, also, you got you to gotta go. If you're going to bring up that night in Atlantic City, you got to bring up the undercard. Oh, yeah. Gil Barker. No business, No, Brian. not the no same business. fight card. Not the same fight card. No? No, no we had Kirkland. Oh, Tapia. it was another war. All right. Another very hard-to-follow fight. Down. Yes, yes, yes. You're thinking of uh, – I'd like to imagine what you're thinking. What was the co-main that night off the top of your head? That wasn't where the guy had the – Gonzalez had the uh, kiss tattoo on his neck, right? That wasn't that card, was it? Oh, no, no. That was uh, that, that was uh, that was Turning Stone, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Montequilla Gonzalez against the razor. Yes, yeah, Zinzerich. Oh, Woo! yeah. Anyway, Laura gets the wide UD-12 over Terrell Gaucher. Scores a mid-round knockout when Gaucher finally attempted to come forward. It was a tricky shot. But, Rafe, we saw more of the same that we've always seen. Lara's really talented, but unless you are going to go Neanderthal caveman style and rush him like we, like our good buddy, uh, well, what's his name, was able to do there, 
Angulo. Angulo. El Perro, man. That was, oh, that, like, that's like the sneaky, that is one of those great, like, sneaky, sort of forgotten great, great fights. Oof. But, like, Lara doesn't, Lara has no want or need to push forward. It's who he is, right? I mean, he's a lot like Guillermo Rigondeau from the Cuban school. It's a different mindset. They're artists. So, Rafe, I'm not here to bash Lara like a lot of journalists are. My thing is, we know who he is, right? When he fights somebody like Canelo, it's worthy of a main event. When he fights somebody who's going to attack him, in a certain spot, it may be worthy of a main event. On this card, was not worthy of the main event. So why did PBC, Showtime, and Al Heyman all team up and present this to us? Because this card was rising, and it was really exciting through these first two title fights. And everyone's tweeting about falling asleep during the main event. I actually fell asleep during the main event. I had a big ice pack on me while I was recovering, and I fell asleep late rounds. Why do this, Rafe? Why? I, there's, there's kind of no way out of it, is there? Also, this is sort of like a funny becoming annual tradition where there's once a year the PBC, you know, junior, uh, junior middleweight, you know, dump card where they have, uh, Lara headlining and then a couple trout fights. Last year it was Jamal, Jamal against, uh, against, uh, against Austin Trout and then, uh, Jermel against Jackson and then Lara against Vanis. And, and it was the Vanis, the Vanis Lara fight was like a little more watchable than this one, but still kind of boring. And one, no, look, this, uh, you, you said it. This is who Lara is. This is he fights very, you know, in that Cuban style where he is not going to do anything if you don't make him do anything, and he'll beat you that way every time. Um, you can't. They put him at the top of the card because he's the best fighter in the division right now. Well, there's, there's a not- good transition point, Rafe. Let's transition into the state of the junior middleweight division after what we saw on Saturday night. Right now, who is the best fighter at 154 in the world? Go. Where's Landy Lara? Uh, on a okay, then uh, is that on accomplishments or is that still on like if we're doing a pound for pound of fifty four in your eyes right it's, now? He's the king. I, I know what you're. I, I I smell what you are cooking over there, Brian. But no, I still think it's Lara. It is on. It is on accomplishment. Yes, undisputed, undeniably. Um, but also on him just being so slick, so experienced, and still very good, fast. I don't. He does not appear to have lost anything reflex-wise. Uh, he, you know, they were, the commentary on, on Saturday night was saying he wasn't moving around the ring as much, but he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't, he, he'll move, he didn't need to move against Gachet. Gachet was, you know, he, he was more often walking Gachet down in his very slow, methodical way. Um, but it was, it, it was, so I, I, I just, I don't think that he's lost much. And I, and I think that he is a slicker, better boxer than even Jermel Charlo, as explosive and exciting as Charlo has been recently. All right. I'm going to agree with you that overall right now, from what we know, from what we've seen, yes, Lara is the king of this division. I would probably favor him against every 154. Let's set the stage about 54, about where we're at. We have four recognized titles. Three of them were, were on display this past weekend. So it's Jared Hurd, it's Jermel Charlo, it's Aris Landy Lara. The fourth belt is the WBO belt, which Miguel Cotto has. We know he's going to defend that in his career finale, which was announced over the past week, December 2nd at MSG against Saddam Ali. For me, it's a side note, but a very disappointing opponent right there to see him go out against it. Welterweight moving up, who'd not so recent, you know, not so long ago that that he was knocked out, right? That he was knocked out by your guy too. So uh Jesse Vargas. Jesse Vargas. So uh I'm just saying that Cotto's belt almost doesn't count right now. So the real well, no, why 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 even go almost? It doesn't count. It doesn't I mean, count. It was, so, it's Jamal Charlo's belt. He vacated. They just threw it onto the Cotto Kamagai fight for no reason because there's money involved. And 
Kodo will vacate it if he doesn't, if, if, assuming he beats, uh, Saddam Ali. And then, you know, who knows? Someone else will win it. But that is not, that isn't even part of the picture in this division anymore. Kodo, you know, he's one of these divisionless fighters, you know, is, is like, like the stars become as they age. So well said there. So with Kodo out of, and take that belt and take Kodo out of the picture, you also may want to take out secondary WBA titleist Demetrius Andrade, who's been out with promotional issues. He's finally coming He's back. He's middleweight now. He's finally coming back this this Saturday at middleweight on HBO in Verona, New York, against unbeaten and unheard of Alantes Fox, twenty three zero and one. So. We don't know. We think Andrade's going at 160 moving forward, so you kind of take him out of it. So what we know, Rafe, is that PBC is the 154 on lockdown, and you have fun names. You've got interesting things here. So if we both think Lara is the best, the next question is, what's the best fight that can be made right now at 154? If we're also going to keep in mind that Canelo's a middleweight now, so he's out of the picture too. Here's the best fight you can make. It's easy. Jermel Charlo against Arislandi Lara. And this fight, Rafe, if we get there, and I don't think we're going to get there soon because there's layers to this fight. And here's why this fight is going to be really good. Outside of the style matchup alone, there's some backstory here. Jermel had been in camp with his brother and with Lara for years with Ronnie Shields. They, they, everyone grew from sparring with each other. I mean, imagine being able to spar with Lara, a guy in your own division every day. Like, that's fantastic. Well, we know that a couple fights ago, Jermel pulled out of that camp, wanted to improve hired on trainer Derek James, who also trains Errol Spence Jr., and as we've seen really a, a growth of him as a fighter. He's becoming more of a power puncher. He's all well-rounded. That's all said and good. But if he's going to fight Lara, he's not only going against his ex-promoter, he's not, I'm sorry, ex-trainer, he's not only going against a guy who he used to spar with and train with, he's going against a trainer who currently still trains his brother, Jermall Trollo. So there's fun elements in there. Lara, after the fight on Saturday, said, I'm willing to fight anybody. When Jim Gray came back and said, anyone, really? Lara says, yes, even Jermel. I know we used to be in the same camp, but I'm willing to do it. Rafe, that's the fight right there for this division. Because if anyone's going to give this version of Lara problems, right? Outside of like a prime Maidana, who might be the perfect opponent, right? Like prime 2014 Maidana moving up to 54. Outside of a guy like that. The best way to try to get to Char- to Lara is having a combination of elite power and speed. Charlo might have that, Rafe. He might Absolutely. have Absolutely. I'm with you. I mean, that is that is a great fight. A fight and, and a fight that I hope that they, they both want and push to make, you know, in the next year, because the winner of that will have legit claims on being, you know, pretty high in the pound for pound rankings. So a win, whoever comes out with a win in that can, can really, that's a, that's a, that's a win to really hang, you know, your hat on. I mean, that's like, you know, the beginnings of a legacy for either guy. Uh, and obviously, uh, Lara has a little bit more, you know, has a, has a longer resume to begin with, but still that, that's, that might be a career best win for either guy, considering Lara's gotten screwed from all of his other career. Yeah, outside wins. of the time Lara beat Canelo, 115-113. <laughs> outside of that now here's i didn't i said we probably won't see that for a couple of reasons now the good thing is it's all under pbc housing right all under al Heyman. that's a good thing but boxing um alphabet boards they don't like to they don't like to unify we know that all right number one number two but brian Jared's, i want unification i want unifi- i want, uni- I want look, look at me brian i have three belts i want unification <laughs> big gift to people absolutely it would be a huge gift to, to the people out there but the thing is they don't want that and two Everyone's talking about unifying. Jarrett Swift, on paper, visually, is an easier opponent for both guys to want to chase first. So I think it's more likely. Heard came out and said, I'd love to get a, a, a voluntary or a mandatory, get that out of the way, and then I'd love to fight Charlo. So what does that mean? That means they spread that out over the next year, build toward Jarrett Swift versus Jermel Charlo, and then you build toward Lara 
handing the keys to the division, maybe to, you know, in a, in a sort of crossroads yeah. fight with Jermel, maybe two years from now. Well, so that's how not, we're going to ask Jermel about that in a second, but that's how boxing works, right? And we like, I mean, I, 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 we, I joke about this becoming sort of an annual tradition, the, the three junior, junior middleweight fights on one card. Um, but I actually like them both times. They've been very good. They're not perfect all the way through, but competitive, good fighters. And, and, you know, you, you see things actually moving in that division i kind of you know i mean it's not all the because it's not like a boxing hipster we love this division thing it it didn't get all the love that superfly got with the with 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 the 115 pounders but it's this it's a similar kind of setup i wish they would do it more i mean part they, they did it once in 2016 once in 2017 uh, Lara, you know, that was his only fight in there, wasn't it? Or did he, he might have had one of those wins against someone terrible Yuri like Yuri Foreman. Foreman. Yeah, yeah, Yuri, yeah. I mean, this guy's forever. He'll defend <laughs> against anybody, right? Jan Zavak that time on ESPN. Delvin, like, come on. And it wasn't even like a remotely good, it was like way washed Delvin. Like, not like a little bit washed Delvin. <laughs> I mean, it was way washed, Delvin. More so. washed than uh, than Campbell's uh, Nether Regions. That's right now, for sure. All right, let's hear from WBC 154-pound champ Jermel Charlo to, to, to break down all these topics that we're throwing around here. Very excited about this one. Enjoy. Very pleased to welcome in the In This Corner podcast. Really, just 48 hours removed from a spectacular first-round knockout of Erickson Lubin. It's WBC junior middleweight champion, Jermel Charlo. Jermel, congratulations on on really a, an explosive victory. I'm sure you didn't expect it to go that quickly. What's your initial reaction after after doing on such a large platform and making this kind of statement? Um, You know, on the first say that it, 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 it takes a lot of heart and courage, you know what I mean, to be a boxer, step up in the ring, deliver the type of performance on that main stage like that. Um, I train super hard for Lubin. You know, I, I, I stay quiet. I stay focused throughout the whole time that I knew I was happy to get back in the ring. I, I, I had a lot of fun, went on parties and went, had a vacation. And right after the Hadley fight, I knew that I had a strong, strong mandatory that could possibly you know, mess up my legacy and my destiny of what's going on. And I just continued to believe in myself throughout the process, and that got me that victory. I mean, this was a, a you know, a devastating way to end the fight. It was it was a weird type of punch. It was a counter right hand, but it almost looked like it was something that you had planned. You know, seeing some of the way the fans reacted on the Internet from a technical standpoint, almost as if that was something you saw ahead of time that Lubin might do. Was there any kind of thought process in setting him up for that kind of counter right? Well, of course, I studied a lot. I studied hard on Lubin, how his style was, and I seen how it matched up against me. In the boxing world, studying is not just watching your opponent. It is watching your opponent, what he would do against the imagination, the imaginary Jamel Charlo, and what are the things that I have to do and get used to without ever having to touch him or be in the ring with him before. I have to understand what, what, what got me used to that punch and what got me used to what he do often. And so me knowing my timing is at 100, I'm at my peak in time, and, and, and I'm in my prime where my mind is focused on what I need. Lubin's a strong fighter, and I knew that. So, you know, him, he, he understands that I'm a strong fighter. He respects me, so he missed the two jabs. And as he went down, I knew to meet him as he go down. And that's something we worked on in camp and something me and Earl Spence worked on at the Southpaw. Um, it's about getting that shot off first, and, and he ran right into the shot. This was a night that, that we don't get enough of in boxing, meaning, you know, three title fights, same division, same night, 
all three fights involving fighters that are, you know, promoted or managed relatively by the same group of people. So, so there's hopes that the winners face each other. When you look at mm-hmm. the statements made on this night, do you feel like you came out looking the best of, of the six junior middleweights here, the three title fights that were on the line? I'm the, I'm the fight that everybody's going to take a big swallow and be like, whoop, damn, that was a fast, quick hope of air, but wow, it got my eyes booked. It's one of them them shots. I'm the one that stood out the most, obviously. I'm the one that stood out the most before because of all the talking that he was doing and all of the things that, you know, the, the caliber that it was and people unexpected, not really knowing about my skills and not knowing about my power. They just thought that I wasn't going to win. I consider myself the underdog in that fight. So um, I knew from the beginning that I had to take control. I had to take over. I had to really, you know, be my best. And that's what I focused on. I didn't. I wanted to see me pushing my body to the limit and me doing different things and extra things, what it can actually do for me. And I was going to go in there and fight and bang. If we didn't win 12, he would have to stand in that pocket with, with, with big old Mill for 12 rounds, you know, and just bang and go at it. You know, we both was in shape, I could tell. So let's go. You know, I was ready for whatever. There's almost been like an evolution for you. I mean, obviously, you know, you're just 27. You're improving. You're evolving into your prime. But I feel like we almost, maybe incorrectly, but we almost tabbed you coming, you know, at the at the beginning of your career as the Charlo twin, who maybe is a little more slicker, maybe a little bit more cautious and calculating. Now I'm seeing a devastating knockout puncher right on the same level as your twin brother Jamal. Has there been that same well, maybe, evolution well, for maybe, you? Maybe you're seeing all around. Maybe you just. Instead of saying it, I'm just an all-around fighter. You know, you consider me more of a five-star caliber fighter. Uh, a ten, uh, I'm, I'm over the limit. You know, I'm at as high as the most elite to me because you can get a boxing male. You can get a power male. You can get a slick technical male. So it's like I, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving them everything that they can. You know, and I'm, 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 I'm trying to be the best at all of that. How I'm still important. learning to this day. And how important was the switch in trainers from Ronnie Shields now to Derek James in getting that full evolution for you? Well, as a, as a, as, a, as I go on my career, I'm looking down like having a different trainer means more than just the trainer being good. The way the trainer organizes, the way the trainer talks, and the way the trainer figures out camp, the way the trainer sets up sparring is all different. And so when you get another trainer, all of that package come together. And me looking at it now, switching trainers was one of the best things for me, not because I don't no longer have my twin brother, but because of the type of caliber of training and the way he trains is different. The rounds that Derrick James makes me put in is different. The starting of camp is different. You know, sparring world-class fighters, everybody I sparred undefeated with more than 25 fights. So this is, you know, Robert Brandt at 160. I'm at, 40, at 54, Earl at 47. Everybody walk around about the same weight. Everybody's strong. Everybody get their weight down. It's just the whole project that my coach, Derrick James, who I believe is trainer of the year right now and should be trainer of the year. You know, he won two world titles. This, he, he, I'm a world champion. He has Earl Spence who won a world title. I defended twice with Derrick James with spectacular knockouts. I feel that he deserves trainer of the year, and I, I definitely do deserve more than one award this year. I don't know. Oh, certainly. He's had an incredible year, as has you, which begs me to ask you this question honestly. Did you feel slighted about, A, not being able to headline this card, and B, not being the one who gets the biggest purse when you consider the marketability you brought in and then the performance that you carried through with? 
Exactly, exactly. I, I, I very truly agree with both of those things. I should have been in the main event. I spoke on that at the press conference. So I said it nationally already that I should have been in the main event. And by me being the main event, of course, the press would be bigger because the main event is who, who carries the show. Um, I do feel that now they, if the press wasn't big enough um, for what y'all guys think or know, um, then I'm satisfied with everything my manager is doing and everything my promoters and everybody around me. I don't have a promoter, but everything that the folk, the, the people that are putting this show together, Showtime Network, because that's what I fight on normally. So as long as they keep believing and seeing the skills, now they, I, I have everybody eyes open and I everybody woke. Now the checks are flowing bigger. All right, so everybody watch this card. They see strong performance mm-hmm. from Jarrett Swift. Another dominant Arislandi Lara decision, and then your, you know, maybe not breakout is the right word because you're on a, a breakout run already, but a dominant knockout from yourself. They want to see you against the other two. Do you want both? Do you prefer one to the other? Where are you at right now with that? Well, in my mind, um, I, I want every belt, and I don't care. I just want every belt. And um, in order for me to get every belt, I guess I have to fight everybody correct because that's what they told me anyways. So, of course, I want the belts. And Jared Hurd will be obviously the next guy I want to face because, you know, we have a lot of – we had back and forth before. He believes he could beat me. I believe I could beat him. Um, he feels this a mega fight. Um, so, therefore, it, I guess I got to be patient because he has, he has some other business he wanted to take care of. So, whatever the fight that presents itself, two champions, I want to fight a champion – any, even the WBO, whoever the WBO champion is, I don't care. I want it, you know. It's not that it can't be happening just because of the management. Put the politics to the side. We want the belts. Simple as that. And I'm the champ, the, the most prestigious champ, and I'm acting prestigious. I'm doing prestigious things, knocking guys out that they put in front of me undefeated. Um, so whoever, you know, Jerry Hurd has a the IBF. Laura has a other title, and I know the question that you really want to know is what I fight Laura. Well, it is business, and we do have a great friendship, and I know that's my brother's stable mate who he trains and spars with, um, but somebody's going to have to make a decision, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's very simple that, um, you know, we all want the belts, and if we're fighting, fighting at the same way, and we're not trained by the same people, and, and they see a, a project, and I'm, I'm willing to participate, and whatever happens, happens. I love that attitude. I mean, you know, Arislandi, to his credit, basically said the same thing. Obviously, you had been in that camp. You had shared that trainer. You had, I would assume, put in many, many rounds against Arislandi Lara. What kind of confidence? Yeah, I put in rounds in years as a growing fighter, you know, on the verge to world titles. He's somebody I sparred with on the verge to trying to become even a minor champion. And once before, before I came the minor champion, I was, that was somebody that helped me better my skills. But like I said, we all growing men. It's whatever, you know what I'm saying? And I just have to uh, rock for, for me. I'm a lion. I got to do what I got to do. Well, Jermel, you got to tease us a little bit here. What did it look like? How, you know, I, I think the best fight we can make in this division is you and Lara. We may have to wait to, to get there, but it's the best fight we can make. What did those sparring sessions look like? What would that fight be like? Man, that's something I won't disclose before this fight. We won't build it up. We won't, if y'all want to build it up, it's going to be a big fight, you know. Um, you know, we had some rough, nice, good sparring. I was, I'm a, was at at that age, young lion trying to just get growing as a man. I'm not really feeling out. I'm, I'm pretty sure now you can tell that I'm feeling out more of a, as a man and growing. So, um, it, it'd be completely different. But uh, the sparring sessions, we just gonna hold that. You know, we had a great, some great. I got videos and stuff like that. So, um, I'm pretty sure you know. All this to surface and build up to lead up to this fight. Would it be weird it with happen. with Ronnie in that other corner, or, or is this just business? 
hey, I can't, I ain't fighting against Ronnie Shield. Good point. You know, I'm fighting against whoever the opponent is. So, um, it'll be, it's going to be a lot of controversy. It's going to be some adversity and controversy, and it's going to be a lot of BS that go along with this because that's my brother's trainer. Now, um, with the way we are outside of boxing, inside of boxing, loyalty is everything. But how can you believe in a fighter that doesn't want to beat your brother? So this is a very big, critical conversation. You know, you know, it's not something that we think about or want to speak on at the moment. I, I can respect that completely. One thing I want to ask you, though, is marketability-wise, you guys are making a big leap. It's a leap. It's not just, you know, hashtag Lions only. It's like you're backing it up in the ring so hardcore but you're also backing it up in the way you talk. There's an edge to you guys. There's almost a non-apologetic way in which you finish guys off and then have a scowl on your face. Jermel, I love that. The fans are starting to love that. What is that part of you where you're not afraid to, to you know, the bell rings, you don't end it. You still sort of have a have an edge to you. Talk about that. It's just me. It's my personality. It's who I am. It's the life that I live and what I've been through and everything that I have. I'll carry on my back, you know what I'm saying? So these fans know that I'm not, I'm a smart person. I'm intelligent. I'm, and, and I live a nice life, you know? And so I have a lot of people that understand more what I go through by my following and my networks and stuff like that. It's not by my social networks and, 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 and the things that I do. I own a gym. I'm around youth. I'm around. It's just, I have a fighting power. I got a will to win. And a lot of people are barely starting to realize that. But at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a nice person outside the ring as well. It's just if you push the wrong button, you push the wrong button, and that's just the way I am. I can't take that back. Yeah, don't poke the lion in this case, right? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna get the roar exactly. coming back at you. Yeah, yeah. Respect me at all at all means. No, no halfway disrespect. You know, I don't. We just those guys that don't play that. You can't halfway disrespect me ever in my life and think we're gonna be okay later. I like that. I like that. Uh, is the pound for pound respect right around the corner for both brothers here? Because I've been talking about you guys for years. I've been a believer from the beginning. Other people needed to see more. Have we seen enough now? Is it time to put you guys in the top ten? I mean, should, should, should they? I mean, I believe I should have been made the top pound for pound if I knocked out Hadley, who was ranked number one. I actually should be the diamond champion in my weight class right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I want to close. You had a good tweet today. You said, if I could replace Saddam Ali for the Kodo fight, I would. Make the final fight worthy, meaning Kodo's career finality. Hashtag Lions only. Speak on that for a second. Well, you know, um, just me wanting to win the titles and me wanting to win everything, you know, just I put that out there today because, you know, I win one round. So that's more of a, you know, something I'm thinking. I only win one round. I'm barely spending. I could get right back in the training, get ready for Kodo fight. Sit somewhere to sit down. Just put on the entertainment fight for the fans. It's all about what the fans want to see. If Kodo want to end with a bang, let's end with a bang. Um, y'all know what I do, and y'all know what I come to do. So, um, with that being said, you know, win that title. I'll go ahead and let Laura and her fight each other. Whoever fight, win that title, fight me because I'm the champ. And at that time, I'll be, you know, unified champion. And them two have to fight, you know, for each other to get that belt, and that's how everybody get captured. That's how the, all the titles to get to one champion. You I know, love it. However, we can make it work. You know, talk anytime I talk to you, or your brother, you guys bring it. You're, you're real. You're you want to fight everybody. You're not. You know, you're not hiding behind anything. You you want to bring it. I can totally respect that. I mean, do you is 154 going to be a a temporary thing? Or are you going to end up going to middleweight? Where do you see? Where's the best business for I'm you? I'm going to whatever the whatever the whatever the business is. If it, if the numbers are high and I need to be at sixty, 
our numbers are higher. I said before, we just going to keep training really, really hard and a little extra just to get to where we need to be if I end up pushing it to being one of the biggest middle, junior middleweights. So, however, you know, wherever the business takes me is where I'm going. Love it. Jermel Charlo, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations again on the, on the knockout victory to defend your WBC belt. We got a lot of fun fights to make and I know you're going to, you're going to chase after them. So best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, Rafe, we have a lot more to break down and wrap up from this weekend. We had a card on from Carson, California on Saturday, a couple hours before the Showtime card. This was on Fox. It was a PBC card and you know what it, what it, what it kind of felt like when I was watching this? The, the exact feeling that was coming across me as I was, uh, taking all this in. I, I can't say it was a good feeling. I mean, it's just like, come on. This was a card that didn't need to happen on national television, Rafe, but it was a setup to Leo Santa Cruz, Abner Mares 2 to not unify featherweight titles, but unify the WBA featherweight title. And what we got were separate fights on Saturday. Santa Cruz TKO4 over your guy, Chris, the Hatman, the Hitman Avalos <laughs> to defend the WBA regular, you know, the real title. Abner gets a 10th round technical decision over Andres Gutierrez to defend that secondary belt. Leo made 750 for this. Abner made 700,000. Like good for them if you can get it. But this card kind of felt like it was the end of the PBC, how we used to know the PBC, because you had a national TV date and you roll out no hopers here. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it almost made me not want to watch the junior middleweight card that I was really looking forward to. I mean, sitting through those fights, uh, knowing how pretty much how everything was going to play out, not seeing anything, any moment, any spark in any of those fights that made me think, oh, wait, this is surprising. It was just it was pretty bad. We knew it was going to be just that bad there's not much we can do about it i mean so chris avalos he was my guy man he was my guy i thought he was going to upset oscar valdez and that's when i learned that chris avalos does not have the greatest chin in boxing what is sergio mora saying what is going on with that guy <laughs> we'll get to that in a second but uh this was such a transparent card because you know what they were building to they didn't want they obviously didn't want other guys why are they, brian no 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 why are they building to the, what this i look I were you? I was at uh, you know, Leo Mares one. I can't remember if you were there. Was I was not. It was in L. A. Twenty fifteen. Great fight, right? Great, great fight. fun, fun fight, competitive fight. Not really warranting a rematch. I mean, Leo is better. And if you're we doing know, it, it just, just for, it's a mismatch. He's, it's, it's and Abner's a good tough fighter. Yeah, but it's like it. it it's, but whatever. You want to make that rematch cool, right? The you only don't way need the, to war. You don't need to tune up to it. The only way the second fight's different, I think, is if Mares comes out brawling even more than he did in the first fight. Wait, he brawled he, he the first two brawl. rounds. He doesn't have any power. Well, and this yeah. is going to go back to his old nut-punching ways, props to Joseph Agbeko. If we can get Russell Mora in there, then then he's got a chance. But, but the, look, I'm not against the idea of a rematch because they're both at featherweight now. Yeah. They both moved up. They both have the same title from the same division, so it can clear up that crap. It's just like don't build to it. Look, it's so transparent because you don't want either of these guys to lose. So you gave them opponents who they would not lose to. Mars dominated Gutierrez to the point where it was getting gross watching that fight because Gutierrez is caught in his eye and he's just getting banged up left and right by hooks. But Mars didn't have the power to floor him. And, you know, Leo was businesslike. He took care of Avalos, but... It just makes me angry. We'll get to Leo more. actually looked a touch slow to me. I mean, it's hard to tell against an opponent with no hope, but he wasn't, you know, he didn't look as 
as you know sort of overwhelming as he has in the past. Now you know whatever. And There's I shouldn't no be point so mad. Into it. I shouldn't be so mad that they that they did this, but it's like I'm almost mad that they wasted a national television date for this. This was Fox. I, I don't know. There's something about this is it, it is so transparent. It has me like Joe Tessitore. You know, you just touch gloves, man. You just touch gloves. Uh, yeah, it get, you know, it gets you it gets you really fired up. I mean, like at some point, I was I was trying to patch in Teddy to the main broadcast. Stop that crap! Stop it! Stop it! We never got there. All right, quick roundup for the weekend. We also had WBA Super Middleweight Titleist George Groves on Saturday in London, KO four via body shot against Jamie Cox. The significance here is it sets up a World Boxing Super Series semifinal in the 168 bracket against Chris Eubank Jr. 2018. It'll be an all-Brit war. Grove says, I'm definitely still improving. I don't care what anybody said after the Proch fight. There was a little bit of truth in writing me off. I lost my mojo. I wasn't really performing that well. I was flat in the Badu Jack fight. I was mentally struggling, and the pressure got to me. But now I'm flying. End quote. Rafe, Groves is flying. Eubank is looking really good. He can knock people out. He's coming off a, a, a good-looking win. Groves, Eubank, can it do the type of crowd at Wembley, if you remember? 80,000 at Wembley Stadium, perfectly on George Groves' chin and flattened him in front of 80,000 fans at the Wembley Stadium. Like, if I had Floyd right here, this is the first question I'd ask him. I want to twice you, Floyd, if you don't mind. In my last fight, before, before I knocked out George Groves at Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 fans, I worked. So Groves Eubank, you fired up? Will this do big business over across the pond or what? I think it can do very big business. I mean, they're two domestic stars. I mean, they, you know, the, the, the UK, you know, UK, UK crowds are great. They follow the sport. Uh, they do a good job of, of building up, you know, homegrown fighters and making them stars. Even guys who, who aren't on the same level aren't even on the world level in, in, you know, get, become stars over there. People are looking forward to my man, David Allen, the white rhino getting a rematch against <laughs> Lenroy Thomas on the, uh, on the undercard with AJ in a couple weeks. I mean, you know, they, 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 so, so yeah, I think it'll be, and it's also, a, 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 it's, it looks like a bang up fight, right? I mean, both guys, uh, Eubank is, is, is aggressive to a fault, if anything, uh, and Groves, it can box, it's powerful, but we can, you know, I mean, you know, his mojo can be taken. He can be Cobra'd. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this question, by the way, Rafe, was brought to you by the Alex Godinez on Twitter. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but the man who loves Carl Frotch and ADK more than anyone else in the world. Getting, I, 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 we had a running tally of ADK tweets from, from Alex, and we're getting close to ADK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's close to getting shut down. All right, Rafe. Uh, as a spinoff to this weekend's breakdown, we want to do Prime or washed i want to start right off with a it's tough to have this conversation it's a tough if this was ring theory I, the great eric raskin and william detloff the vasectomy conversation isn't this, it? Yes. no 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 you're, not that one not, not that washed. one this is a tough conversation because we love the guy but austin trout rafe primer washed i hesitate to call austin trout washed he showed a lot in that fight um he uh he you know he's still a good fighter the but as a real contender, as a title contender, he is not, uh, you know, I don't think he, you can consider him a title contender at 154 pounds at this point. Now, does that mean a fighter is washed? Totally, of course not. I mean, he's not, uh, he's not stumbling around the ring, although that is part, one of his problems, I think, is that Trout has the really, uh, for all of his strengths, when he gets hit, he gets wobbly fast. Like he, and, and I don't really, I don't know if he's actually as, 
shaken up as he looks, you know, but his, his, his balance goes really bad. You know, I mean, the times that he's been knocked down against like Canelo and, and Lara, I mean, he had really uncomfortable looking like, you know, knee, knee snapping, weird knockdowns and he makes weird faces. And when Hurd was landing in that fight, he was just, you know, he was like flopping all over the place, never went down. Um, I think it actually looks worse than, than it is as he's experiencing. I think his, his head is still in those, in, in those moments. Um, but anyway, you know, he's taken more and more damage. Uh, he doesn't take those big shots so well. He's fighting against, he's over, he's outmatched in power. He's not washed, but he, uh, he's, 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 uh, he's getting a little wet as we, as we once said of our man, Steve Smoger. Wow. Wow. Uh, at 31, Rafe, he's certainly not washed because I thought this was the best he looked during the first five or six rounds in a while because it wasn't just that tricky style we've come to know. And like I said, he worked in really educated pressure and even power shots, but you said it best. Here's what it comes down to. Guys without power, they don't age well unless they're technical wizards with top shelf speed or Rafe, they just have an insane chin, right? And although Trout has a really good chin for a, for a sort of smart boxer, He's more of a tweener, and I hate to say that. He's more of a guy who can do the defensive slick thing, can also do the educated pressure thing, but he's not, like, top-shelf elite at either. And think of other guys in that category. Tim Bradley, Juan Diaz, right? Both guys who, in the end, were kind of done early 30s when physically they're not done, but you get to a point where you're like, to win fights, I'm going to have to take a ton of punishment. On you the elite the level. ceiling, you know, and, and I don't think that he's he's way too big to boil down to 147 and give himself a uh, a, a size advantage. So yeah, it's tough. You, you sort of he hits that ceiling, and man, it's it's crazy. You think like after that rousing win over Miguel Cotto, you know, it was late to December 2012, maybe. Uh, you know, man, five years. Um, and, and that was that was like inspiring. It's like man, the guy went into the garden, beat Cotto, and got the decision. How does this happen? It was so it was it was like and, you know it's like man, this is boxing. All right. And then he has had some of the like the most sort of soul crushing losses over the years since then. I mean, the Canelo fight that followed immediately after that uh, one, he got, you know, the, the, the scorecards were ridiculously, ba- you know, biased against him. And two, he had to postpone his wedding to take that L, uh, you know, and then and th- these fights are, are some of the saddest to watch where a guy comes out. He's you can tell he's the more skilled, smarter, experienced, kind of better boxer, honestly, but just doesn't have the you know is is it's also a physical game and 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 some sometimes just being younger faster bigger stronger some com- combination of those things is all you need and that's all Jared Hurd needs and that's what uh, that's going to be the case in a lot of these higher level fights all right you teased it earlier our number two on primer wash is Chris the hitman Avalos's chin Sergio Mora would not stop saying it's the hardest thing I've ever seen end quote but as you brought up and this is this is not a knock on Sergio Mora absolutely love the guy this was more of a uh, Rafe went back and looked at the box wreck and was like well what about that fight right what about when he got KO'd by he Carl got Frampton stopped, he got stopped by Carl Frampton I mean I don't, I don't know Valdez. where Mora came up with this I don't, and Mark I mean, Magseo that's inside Cebu City Mark Magseo also, yes, yes. Also TKO'd him. So Bistak, yeah. Bisaya, go Sabu. Yeah, anyway. uh, he actually is not Cebuano, but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Avalos does not have a good chin. That is the problem. He brawls. He's a, he's kind of fun. Uh, he's got a little bit of firepower, but. He, he his chin is actually not that good, uh, and I think Leo probably has less one punch power than than 
Carl Frampton does than uh than 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 Oscar Valdez does probably and and uh and that's why this one lasted that long. That's why for a little bit of time Sergio didn't look that crazy because Avalos was taking some shots and not going down right away. But um it's washed. He, he's got a washed chin. He's washed. Right? He would I don't even know if he was any good. He's never prime, you know? Wow, wow. Look at you. You're like not only he, is he washed, I mean he's, he's always good, been washed. But not you know, I could get out of here. Like he, he had every time you know, he stepped up a couple times and got and got washed. Wow. Wow. I, I think I got washed just listening to that. Like this is I you used to be a guy who, who I respect books. But not I anymore. Respect. You know, you no more respecting athletes from Rafe Books. My final primer washed Rafe. I'm gonna offer this Kel Brook, right? What? Too early? Thirty one years old? Kel Brook called out Amir Khan again this week saying, quote, I want to get in there and beat Queen Khan up, end quote. Yeah, it, like, okay, it's a money fight that he thinks he can win easy and get a knockout. That doesn't scream washed, but he's coming off of two devastating knockout losses to Gennady Golovkin and then to Errol Spence Jr. to lose his title earlier this year in, in what was a really fun fight. Both times he broke uh, one of his either or bullet bones, one in one fight, one in the other. He's 31. The window, like, I think he's sliding down the other side of that hill now. He's trying to chase the American-type level fights. He's not physically washed, but I think he's sliding toward Washville. I'm not ready to go there yet, Brian. Um, yeah, I, I know, and this is this is sort of a popular take, you know, that that fighting Golovkin, fighting Spence, getting his face broken, get, getting being turned into you know Doctor Doom uh, is, uh, and now he's now he's damaged forever. Well, maybe, and that happens in boxing. But let's let's let the guy fight and see. What happens first? I mean, Errol Spence is is that good? You know, losing to him, getting stopped by him is not a uh, is not something that 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 anyone should be ashamed of at this point in their career, including Kell Brook. Uh, and and I just don't, you know, I think I, I I'm willing to see him take a few fights and and the con fight while competitively is it as exciting as as if Kel Brook was was calling out Keith Thurman when he comes back or or really the other top level welterweights no but i mean it's 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 a good domestic fight con assuming he is you know since he hasn't been in the ring in like 2 years uh <laughs> we don't know exactly what he's going to look like when he comes back but it's Khan was never bad. He just is flawed, you know, and, and I would still favor Brooke in that fight. It's a, and, and it's a huge fight in the UK. They've been building that's a rivalry. They've been going back and forth for three or four years. Um, it makes sense to, and, and they seem to genuinely dislike each other. So there, I, I give, I give Brooke, uh, I, I, a pass or I don't judge him harshly for calling out that con in that way because of all the money involved because of the real animosity because it's a huge domestic fight that is an 80k in Wembley fight um and uh take and that so Alex Godinez right take that right there no hey man keep keep those 80k lines coming I eat them up mm -mm -mm. every day I love it um yeah I think and 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 if they make that fight great uh and then I, I wouldn't yeah let him get back in the mix let him fight like like I would the fight I would love to see Kel Brook Danny Garcia both coming off of losses against the two top guys now oh in you're too wishful thinking you know hey, Danny's not gonna I, I did fight not, yeah I'm, I'm not, not saying you're I, putting cherries on his happen. I said like yeah so that's the thing a lot of the good welterweights are PBC her, Kel Brook fights with, with Eddie Hearn now, so so maybe that opens up some 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 opportunities on the HBO side uh, at 147. Jesse Vargas, uh, Saddam Ali coming off of a huge win over Miguel Cotto. Oh, stop uh, that! Stop that crap! Let's <laughs> let's get out of here. All right, ladies, stop. 
Ray, Stop it. We're going to rapid fire through some latest news. We were off two weeks. There's a lot going on in boxing. Let's give our quick takes here. Number one, IBF welterweight champion Errol Spence Jr., the aforementioned, will defend his belt at some point in January, date unknown, against Lamont Peterson. The fight will be on Showtime, his first defense. Rafe, I like the crap out of this fight, right? Like, you know, don't give me that face. P- people out there, look, no, 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 don't, don't, don't give me that face. I'm it's giving not, you the gas face, man. He should have, all right, look, Errol Spence should have been back in the ring a second time, obviously. He wasn't, but this is not a, this is an in-between opponent. It's not, it's not horrible. It's not Salka. It's not a, a killer like Thurman. It's in-between. It's a guy who can test him. I want to see who Errol Spence really is. I want to see more. You think that Lamont Peterson can test Errol Spence? In certain ways, yes, I can. What way? <laughs> Like what you put the me on test t- is can can Spence knock him out faster than Lucas did? Sounded like you were putting me on trial there. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. Uh, look, he's not going to outbox him. He's not going to knock him out. But but you want to talk about tweeners? Lamont can. He's a tweener, right? He he can put on good pressure out of you, like that Danny Garcia fight. First half he danced in in, in fought from distance. Second half he put on pressure. He's a test in the right direction. This is not a step back. It's a lateral step. And with these PBC guys, sometimes a lateral step is all we need. But yes. Rafe, in the, in the, in the world of these weird, in the, in the world of tune up and stay busy fights, this is not the, you could do much worse, but it, man, Spence is so good. I want to see him in better fights. Oh, of course, of course. But the fight we're waiting for, of course, and this is our second item this week is the Keith Thurman unification bout. And during the Showtime broadcast on Saturday, Brian Custer had them at the table, both fighters. The unified champ, Keith Thurman, recovering from elbow surgery, wants a soft February comeback. And he was very open and honest that this will be a soft comeback. But here's what I don't like. Spence talking about, all right, Thurman, I want you in 2018. This is the fight we need to make for boxing. Custer twice put Thurman on the stand saying, is this what you want for 2018? And Keith never pulled the trigger, Rafe. His comments were a little bit soft. And you could say... It was him trying to play the A side. Him saying, "All right, if we're going to do this, you're coming to me. I'm going to get the. I'm going to win in the. You know, in the in the uh, negotiation table. Then we'll see what happens in the ring. But instead, I got the feeling like he's saying, "Look, I just had major elbow surgery. I'm going to need a couple fights to come back.' That's what I took from the comments. Your thoughts? Uh, I thought that it was related to the elbow surgery, like you mentioned, but but not necessarily that he needs a couple, but that he doesn't want to like put himself on the record calling for that fight in case he comes back and finds out that, you know, it doesn't, things don't feel totally right uh, early next year. I mean, he said, you know, the, the recovery is taken longer than they expected. Uh, you know, an elbow injury is, is a problem for, for a power puncher, right? I mean, what, you know, if, if that changes his, his style or, or affects his, his game as a boxer, then, then that's something that he might need another, he might need to figure out. I mean, eventually assuming he doesn't lose that belt before fighting Spence, He's going to have to get in the ring with him, whether his elbow is in tip-top shape or not. Um, That's going to be like, hey, somebody somebody get Lenny Bowtie up in the bullpen. Somebody get me Leonard get Somebody get me Boondu for a rematch. Come on. Like, you don't want to hear that because, Rafe, that's the biggest fight you can make in boxing in 2018? Yes, yay or nay. I'm not talking about you can make a carnival matchup that sells more pay-per-views, but on paper – is that the biggest fight you can make in terms of what really matters? Yeah, I guess Canelo no, Triple G. Canelo too. Triple G, yeah. All right, but this is a sexy ass fight. Like this is what you want. Like this is everything. All right. So yeah. All right. Moving on here. WBL welterweight champ Jeff Horn. Hashtag horned up. He's going to come back in a voluntary mandatory defense against England's Gary Corcoran, December thirteenth in Brisbane. That did not move my needle. But Rafe, was your needle moved 
by Horned Up Horn saying, who I really want is McGregor. We can do a better job than Mayweather, Horn said. Then he yelled at McGregor. Well, he wasn't talking to McGregor. He was just talking. He basically said, McGregor, tell me how much you want, and we will see if it can work. Bro, you're not at the negotiation table right now with Conor McGregor, all right? Like, I appreciate your, your, you know, your your balls, your your confidence, but sometimes when people get a little bit confident, you know. Come on, let me, let me put some water on your balls. Let, you know, don't, don't tease the bag here, Horn, right? Cool them down. Cool them down, Jeff. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, I get a kick out of Horn's, uh, uh, chutzpah, his gumption here, where like, he wins this belt in a bad decision. He doesn't deserve it. Then starts immediately calling out all these outrageous, like, you know, top of the sport fights. Like, I want Floyd. I want Connor. What, what Manny gimmick rematch. did he have? And, and he ends up fighting Gary Corcoran, who <laughs> the hell that is. <laughs> you wrote him, you wrote him in the rundown as England's gang. <laughs> you, left out the r and it says england's gay corcoran oh, which is an wow. unfortunate typo in your rundown i thought you it was going to be an that's r what we know name. about gary corcoran right now that's his next opponent he's calling out all these other guys look uh it, it's funny uh but at the same time it's kind of like get this guy out of here he's not the real deal if, if if manny's not getting back in the ring early next year feed him to bud crawford let's keep this moving Bud Crawford at 147. He can start fighting Kell Brook. Yeah. He can watch Kell Brook for us. But, wow. Bud, Bud Crawford would do bad things to, to hashtag horned up there. But, wow. All right. Uh, Epics is trying to make a boxing comeback, Rafe. They want to use their money that they've acquired to either produce a fifth season of the Contender Series or just buy fights and try to compete on the HBO level since HBO right now continues to have no budget, as we're seeing by the fight they're putting out this Saturday. Uh, Rafe, this just... One word. Does this move you? Does you care? Yes or no? No. All right. Absolutely hey, not. hey, take that. Hey, unless they're gonna. The only way I'd care about a contender is if they bring if they bring back the wash guys. Bring back like a season one reboot, right? Because I still <laughs> oh, want to see. All right. If they, if they if they if they let you, pro... yeah, I'm in. If they let you produce, you know, a washed contender. Well, it doesn't have to be my original idea of washed contender. Meaning, let's bring in all washed fighters. It means let's bring in the actual washed fighters from contender season one. Like, let's do. Like let's do uh, Sergio want, Mora versus. I want I want the real deal washed contender, the one we talked about. I want Alvarado in there. Hey, I'll take a trilogy between uh, Manfredo and Mora. Come on, like I'd be down for that. And anyone out you listen to, you know you'd be down for Joey Gilbert, all these other guys coming in. Ishe still kick anyway. Let's move Alfonso on. Alfonso Gomez. Oh yeah. WBO orders middleweight champ Billy Joe Saunders to face mandatory David Lemieux. Hey Rafe, I don't hate this you. I, if it happens, great. I, I mean, Billy Joe Saunders fights once every 16, 17 months. They think they, I saw they're trying to make this happen early in 2018. I mean, Billy Joe Saunders is going to go off and play with his horses for hey, six Billy months. Billy Joe what called out Amir about? Khan. That was, that was interesting right there, but, uh. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that shows you how likely this is to happen. Yeah, yeah. Good luck on that. Rafe, uh, what we also know is that WBC heavyweight title holder, Deontay Wilder, well, he's not facing Luis Ortiz. He popped dirty, but November 4th, he will be in Brooklyn facing mandatory Bermaine Stiverne, the man they paid to step aside because nobody wanted to see this rematch in a rematch that Wilder subsequently said himself he doesn't want the fight. Rafe, why would fans care when Wilder saying the only man who took me the distance in a somewhat boring fight, I don't care about fighting him. Nobody should care then, right? I don't care. Nobody cares. He's right. Nobody does care. He's on, he's, he's, he's doing these weird emo YouTube rants where he's just like half, like half crying about like, you know, nobody want to face me. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to do the, the Eddie Hearn, uh, imitation there that, 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 that Luda Bella disapproves of. But anyway, um, 
it's uh you know no hey you, you you know you make the most out of it. I kind of I would have preferred if they had gotten uh, our man Brazil in there, uh, Big Dom. Boops, but boops uh, Brazil, yeah, yeah, uh, that would have been sloppy. There's real animosity. They brawled in a hotel. Um, but Berman's a better fighter. Maybe there's some truth to no, the weird no. blood disorder, black pill that he was uh, no. slipped before the first fight. It's got a little pop. Uh, Wilder really? still sucks and has no chin. So you know there's a chance. Wow, wow, well, you just threw a lot of crap out there in the, in the ring. I gotta sweep all that up. Like, stop it, stop it. Now, all I have to say, if there's, if there's one, like, blood rematch that I need to see Deontay in, it's not Stavern, it's, it's Charlie Zelenoff, but that's another topic altogether. Rafe, Vasily Lomachenko and Guillermo Rigondeaux, their December 9th bout at the MSG Theater, has sold out a full two months before. Now it's a 5,500 seat theater. Bob Arum says this is the Big Apple's second hottest ticket on the secondary market next to Bette Midler's Broadway smash. Hello, Dolly. Hello, my babe. I mean, that sounds like, like, it's is a, that actually on Broadway or is actually, Bob like making a joke about I thought, how old he is? I, don't I even thought know. he was making like a 50 year dated reference at first. I looked it up. It is actually on Broadway. So he's somewhat with it. Uh, great news. Great news, Rafe, because this is a boxing hardcore Super Bowl. But to see this many people really caring about it, it's not going to be on B in sports. It's going to be on ESPN after the they, Heisman I Trophy. Want, what, who, do they release the undercard yet for this? Is like Shawnee Monahan? Is like Probably. every fighter for, and 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 Joe Smith Jr. Do they have like every Long Island fighter on the planet uh, on the undercard or something? How did they accomplish? They 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 they, they juke the stats on this somehow, and, and we'll we're we're going to find out someday. But that gets me fired up. That people would care on the level of hardcore weirdos like like you, me, and Alex Godinez would care. Oh, that's three drops. For that guy in one show, we'll probably never mention him again. Finally, in the news, Danish Prince Mikkel Kessler's comeback from retirement delayed due to Lyme borreliosis, which is a bacterial infection spread to humans by infected ticks. Is that Rave. just Lyme disease, or is that different from Lyme? Disease? I think it might be Danish Lyme disease, but either oh, way, the, the Danish those Danish ticks, man, you do not want to mess with them. The Viking warrior will not be back in the ring anytime soon. Rafe, you don't have the the man love for for him like I do. So, would it take a Frotch trilogy to get you to actually care about his comeback? No, I like him. I don't have, you're right. I don't have the, the man love, but I, I mean, if he's, if he was good enough in his last fights that, that, uh, I would want to see what he has left. He was really, you know, I mean, he, that last fight with that second fight with Frotch, which he lost, but came on at the end, hurt, rattled, rattled Frotch, hurt him, kind of set up chin, Frotch's chin a little bit for that, for that shot he, that, that knocked him down against George Groves in the next one. Um, that was a great fight. I mean, and, uh, if he wants to come back, you know, get over that Lyme disease, get up, make sure he doesn't have any staph infections like a MMA fighter and, uh, get in the ring. Wow. But long term? If you can't get those guys in the ring, what about this? You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. What about Triple G Kessler, right? Down the road, 168? No? No? Not just... Nordic Fight Night. Line it up, oh, baby. Wow. Nordic Fight All Night. Right. Shout out to YouTube. Wow. Hey, Rafe, let's skim through the weekend Weekend to come here. Thursday night, we do have that ESPN2 card from Las Vegas. Gabe Rosado versus Glenn Tapia in a middleweight Gabriel. sloppy Super Bowl. My yes. Oh, Gabriel. My, my good boy, Gabriel. His son is a good boy. Uh, Gabriel's going to win this by, 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 I mean, I want to say decision because Tapia's washed, but then again, Tapia really he stood on his sword. Years. He might, Gabriel might be able to stop him. But you didn't see Gabriel, you didn't see Tapia stand out on his sword against Jason Quigley there and give the young prospect all he can handle there. Like he nearly won that fight. This, if Rosado is, 
is a real step down from his BKB prime, this could be a fun fight. This could be some slop fun, but you got to go Rosado in the at the end of the day. I mean, come on. I, I agree. Um, you know, there is a chance one of these guys may be, have fallen off a cliff since the last time we fight, we saw them. Uh, there's always some risk of that, but uh, it is a it's a it's a fun uh, sloppy Super Bowl. Well, there's a mixed bag on Saturday, Ray, from Verona, New York, on HBO. Uh, it's Android Fox in that co-main, but the main event, Jezreel Corrales against Alberto Machado as Corrales defends his WBA junior lightweight title fight. Rafe, this is not HBO Latino. This is an HBO main event. Ugh. Uh, boxing after dark, maybe? I don't know. Look, I mean, it, it's they, they, HBO kind of got stuck holding the bag here on Jezreel Gonzalez. Well, because- and if you tease that Jezreel bag, you're... Yeah, it's gonna the mess is gonna get all over you. Uh, it's just like they uh, they they needed opponents for when they thought that last you know Vasil Lomachenko was gonna be one of their marquee fighters. Uh, you know Corrales is a title holder at 130, a pretty talented fighter. Um, but now now they they're just holding the the, the dregs of that. Not the but wait dregs. But wait, yeah. there's more Rafe. HBO well, will also wait, have it a, gets worse. have a same day tape delay bout from Belfast, Northern Ireland, as Ryan Barnett. Uh, burn it. Burn it. Ryan Burn it. I'm sorry. Faces Zanat Zakianov in a bantamweight title unification bout. Rafe. Like unification. I'm sure Zanat will have plenty to say to his countrymen. Uh, this is a unific- unification bout, but, um, yeah. Have you have you have you heard of these guys? Have Tell I lost truth. my boxing heads card for not hearing of either one of these? I know I cover three sports these days. I'm a little bit busier than I used to be, but uh, you you feeling this fight, Rafe? I mean, I I generally you know I generally pop for the weird YouTube fights, and I haven't seen either of these guys. Uh, so no, I, I I'm uh, if, if, if I was uh, heartened by going online and seeing that uh, Zanat Zakianov is uh, is from Kazakhstan and Kazakhstan forever. Um, other than that, we'll see. Maybe it'll be fun. I mean, they could, you know, Burnett beat Lee Haskins, another small English guy who I had not seen fight really. Uh, so uh, he might be uh, he might be one of the real deal world level British fighters. He might be one of these pretenders who gets a belt from another British fighter and promptly loses it. I wonder, is this part of the Eddie Hearn deal with HBO? I don't, this is interesting that we're even seeing this fight televised. That That is interesting. But Rafe, the only card that matters for you this weekend yes, from Newark, New Jersey on Saturday that will be brought to you by the Audience Network. And AT&T, Rafe, the World Boxing Super Series quarterfinals. Murad Gassiev versus Christoph Walardsik for Gassiev's IBF Cruiserweight title. This is the final quarterfinal in your tournament. Tell us why we should care about this matchup. Oh, come on. Gassiev is one of the real exciting uh cruiserweights with a chance to, a chance to 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 be a to win this tournament i think i mean he's he's not a favorite on up there with uh usik and dortigos but he's not far behind and boy i mean he's he he uh he can punch man he's strong he's just a he's kind of just like a beast you know he's hairy manly punches has a nasty <laughs> hook uh, He's Mr. Nutstyle, yeah. He's, uh, he's... you know, yeah. I, I, he needs a car. He needs he needs another car for all this body hair. Um, he, uh, but and and <laughs> I I have not watched uh I have not watched a lot of Ladarzik. Le- 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 um, but the the atmosphere is going to be great. Uh, you know, the, the 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 Polish audience comes out in Newark. That's where main events always used to have those Adamic fights. Those Czar Glasgow. Oh, he's Ukrainian. Uh, those Adamic fights. Uh, you know, they, they that's where. So so it's going to be. 
a fun crowd. They're going to be into it. Uh, Vladarzik, I, 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 I expect he's, you know, he's pretty old. He might be a little washed. Um, but Gassiev is a fun fighter. He's, he's, he can box a little, but he's really, he's really more of a puncher. Uh, he goes after guys and, and, and I think this will be, you know, I mean, this is, this is not going to be, uh, Bradis Perez. I feel pretty, pretty confident in saying that. Right. Uh, and then after that, we're into these semifinals, which are going to be bananas. Those are going to be hot fire. We're going to have to break out our new single back then, but this is the last one of the first one where cruising was made for box. Respect, Respect was made was for box. Wow, Rafe and auto-tune there. I love it. Uh, we love it when we're cruising together. We will this weekend from Newark. Rafe, we will close with my favorite segment. What's it look like? And I want to start off with this. You know a fight we never got that we were supposed to as it was negotiated throughout 2012 and it ended in January 2013? Let me take you back when Abner Morris, back in his junior featherweight prime, and promoter Golden Boy and Richard Schaefer offered Bob Arum $3 million to allow the Mares Prime Nonito Donaire fight to happen. A showdown at 122 between two studs in their prime, Rafe. We never got it. Donaire, coming off his fighter of the year, went on to lose to Rigo just a couple months later. But, Rafe, what's it look like if Prime Mares and Prime Donaire back in early 2013 would have faced off at 122? Well, I hate to say this, Brian, but uh, I believe it looks a little bit like Prime Nonito Donaire versus Fernando Montiel. I think uh, Donaire at that point in his career was a lot better than Mares ever was. Wow, uh, Mares. Yeah, I was. I've never been on board the uh, on bo- on board on board the Abner train. It's just not for me. Um, I you know he's he's tough. He's fun. He's a likable guy. Uh, I don't, I just don't think that he, I think that he's not, he's in a different class athletically, power wise. Uh, he was smaller than Nonito. It just, you know, I think he would have knocked him out. He would have got, he made him, he would have made him do a little dance. Make a little love. Wow. Um, I think in the end, you're right. I think Donar, Donare, really, am I really trying to do the puck out Donero. Donero at this point would have, uh, I think he would have. Look, Mares, he hadn't yet been exposed by Johnny Gonzalez in terms of his chin being, Sometimes he can be too aggressive for his own good and can walk into a shot. And I think at 22 against Prime Donaire, he just might have in that spot, unless the referee was Russell Moore. A good call. Rafe, what do you got for me on number two on what's it look like? I would like – I've got a weird little hot take theory here. I want to run one by you. Chris Eubank Jr. versus Gennady Golovkin. Last year when they were talking about it, 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 it fell through. The Eubanks apparently were making some crazy demands, and that's when Kel Brook stepped in and fought Triple G, uh, was it September of last year? Um, so, well, yeah, what does that, what does that one look like to you? At that point, the, there was still the, the mystique around Triple G that had been, that's been a little bit robbed from in, in going the distance two fights in a row. I think, Triple G would that fight would have turned into a war in the middle because Eubanks the guy who's going to go out on a shield. He talks a big game, he goes in there and he brings it. But I think that he gets stopped. I think he gets stopped in that seven to nine round area after we see some fire because that was still prime mojo triple G walking forward. I think it would have been fun. The crowd would have been incredible. The build would have been fun. It might have been the best build for a Gennady fight since Curtis Stevens did some really funny things that that forced, you know, Triple G back then to be like, Are you serious? You're serious. I mean, like that, that that was prime moments. I think we would have saw that, and I think we would have saw a fun knockout. Your thoughts? Uh, I I I ultimately agree that uh that Triple G wins that fight probably by by, by stoppage. Um, but I think that Eubank 
really matches up well with Triple G in some ways. Now, we don't know if, if he could actually take those punches, which is kind of the big question when you fight Triple G that ultimately, you know, usually leaves you losing that fight. However, um, he's active. He get, he would get off first. He's the, he's not, he is, he's, Eubank Jr. has got this irrational confidence, this big, you know, he's one of these ballsy guys that's just going to come out and start throwing. Uh, and he's pretty, he's a little bit slick. He's got quick hands. He's, he, 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 that guy hits hard. And I think that he would actually have, have, there have been some moments where he was, he would light Triple G up. Now I think Triple G would get the jab working, back him up, start kind of put some, put, put the, uh, the fear of, of Gennady in him and eventually, uh, you know, overwhelm him. But I think early in that fight, Eubank would come out like a house on fire and, and just be like, damn, what is happening here? Interesting. It would be interesting. I don't know. I don't mean to so quickly gloss over Eubank and be like, well, he just succumbs to the power because Gennady was an intimidate, more intimidating force back then. But I think I have to ask myself, how good do I think Eubank is? I don't think he's on the Jacobs or Canelo level. I think he's going to be a step. I, I don't either. I think but the way vulnerable. that he's aggressive, the way that uh, Triple G, you know, will kind of lets guys punch in weights, and you know, he sort of takes turns. Eubank sometimes will just keep punching for for half a round. Um, so it would, you know, it would be interesting to see how Triple G would adjust to that in a eventually sort of, you know, impose his will on that fight. Absolutely. Rafe, I want to hit you up with uh, Golden Boy. We found out that we were going to get Kodo Sadam Ali, but we're only getting that fight because both Mikey Garcia and Errol Spence Jr. were both offered a chance at Kodo at, on December 2nd for his career finale for that 154 belt. But the caveat was they had to sp- sign three fight deals with Golden Boy. Both turned it down. The more interesting matchup here for me was Mikey Garcia because he's, what, a champion at 35. We just saw him at 40. He's willing to go to 47 for a big fight. Now we saw him on Twitter the last few months saying, I'll go to 54 for Cotto. Rafe, I still wanted to see what that would have looked like. Miguel Cotto versus Mikey Garcia right now for the 154 title WBO. What does that look like? I that I... I don't know. Mikey Garcia at 154 is, is hard to imagine. Um, we saw against Adrian Broner that while he is, was, was very sharp and, and looked great in that fight, he was, the power did not seem to, uh, to, to carry all the way up. Now, Broner has a, has a good chin. I mean, he's only been hurt against Maidana. Um, but, uh, it, still, it was, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't expect Garcia to be able to, to boss Miguel Cotto around the ring. And like it's not Manny versus Cotto, Oscar. We're not seeing Manny versus Oscar. No, because well, and 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 neither guy has to boil down for that either. I mean, you know, Cotto is not not killing himself to make that weight. Uh, so so it's it it'd be interesting. I I I like Garcia so much. I think he's a pound for pound talent. I think he's a high pound for pound talent. I think Cotto might win. I think Cotto might just be too big at this point in time. Unless yeah. unless Garcia goes total, just like plays it safe and jabs him to death. You made the two best points. Garcia's best chance, when you really boil it down, may be to stink out the fight, to be the Garcia that he was at times at like 126. You remember the Juan Carlos Burgos fight, right? You remember parts of that Roman Martinez fight before he stepped in and got the knockout? I think you're right, and I think it all comes down to, like, Cotto's not washed Oscar cutting down in weight. Cotto's still got it to a certain degree, and if Cotto's got it and he's the bigger man and he can still box a bit and we know he can punch... That might be a bad matchup for Mikey. I might like Cotto to win a competitive decision with a knockdown there because Garcia didn't have the best chin in his early rise. You could hit him with a flash knockdown. So that would have been very interesting. I'm kind of disappointed. No, I'm very disappointed that we don't get that. I don't love the Cotto-Ali fight at all. I got no love for it. Also, Austin looks the – Cotto in in 
this later stage of his career has looked his best against guys who are a little smaller than him. Manny excluded. That was a totally different scenario. But like against Floyd, the way he's, you know, he came forward, the boxer puncher version of Cotto that, that we saw in that fight. Uh, you know, he, that's when that he, you know, it's when he was going way above kind of way, you know, was overmatched power weight wise against guys like Canelo that, that he's sort of, you know, wasn't, he just doesn't, he's not able to get over the hump, but against Garcia, I don't know. He might've been able to really put it on him. What do Can you I got? give you one more? Let's wrap up one more. All right, here we go. Uh, let's put this at around the time that Floyd Mayweather is fighting late career Floyd Mayweather, not, not today, not, uh, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, but Floyd Mayweather Jr. against, uh, you know, so Andre the Madonna Berto? fights. Andre Manny. Berto? Manny? Okay. 20, 2015. That, that era, yeah. 2015 era Floyd versus Errol Spence. Today's Errol Spence? Today's Errol Spence. It's so a 2015, 38 year old, but still best in the sport, Floyd. Against today's Errol Spence. I'm basically daring wow. you, my friend, to pick against Floyd. I mean, if you really think about it, that's the toughest welterweight fight you could create for Floyd. It really is of, of, of today's guys. And we know at 38, Floyd still had it, but man, today's Spence, it's the power. It's the technique. It's the, it's just wired differently. But man, Floyd has tricks. All right. It's going the distance. I think Spence can get a decision. I think Spence could be this version. And look, this is making a leap because you're saying, like, we saw a Spence against Brooke who, who still got hit, who still made some mistakes, who still had to adjust and figure himself out there. He looked impressive, but he didn't dominate that fight, right? Like, it was a really good fight back and forth. So you're asking a lot of him to go in against still prime 38-year-old Floyd. But I really believe in who Errol Spence is. I say it's a very close fight. I say Spence would have a chance to compete for a decision there. Of course he has a chance, and as good as Spence looks and what we think he is for this, for the sport, I think, you know, it's tempting to pick him, but I, I, I still go Floyd. I think that Floyd is, you know, like you said, the tricks, man, he's too smart. He would not let Spence beat him up to the body. He'd tie up. He'd do all kinds of stuff. He would smother. He, and yeah, Spence, Spence is speed, stronger. Though. It could wear down on him. But I, and, and the other thing is Spence, Although he is a really sound technical fighter, he's not unhittable. He's not he's not as elusive as at near, not nearly as elusive as someone as Floyd. And I think Floyd would land the you know his straight straight right a lot. He and, would and would land and would win the decision basically by surviving and landing more clean shots. The reason why that's so interesting is because the Floyd of the the tail run of his era was always fighting a guy who was missing something, right? It would be like a guy who is really aggressive, like a Maidana, but he can't box, or a guy who can do some things, but he can't punch, or whatever. And Spence brings everything. He does bring the full package, right? And he's a southpaw, and he goes to the body, and he can punch, and he's tricky and technical. I don't know, Rafe. Sometimes I think you just run into a guy where there's no weakness. The only weakness here is experience. I kind of feel like Spence would, like I said, I, best I could say is he has a chance to compete for a decision. That would be it's very super close. Fun. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm, 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 I, you know, I. And that's the I thing. Floyd really... didn't need that. Floyd didn't need to add to his resume by beating Thurman two years ago by beating Spence last year. But imagine if he had. Imagine if he, if he said, "I want to leave having, having beaten every possible welterweight right now." Yeah, we would have raised his legacy. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been from like whether you think he's like the fifteenth greatest fighter now. It's not like he would have ended as the third greatest in your eyes. But 
I know he didn't need to. There was no reason to take the damage. But imagine if he had, he still could have won. He still would have been favored on paper against everybody, Thurman Porter, Danny, across the board. So it's like it would have been fun to see if he would have tried. But, you know. 15-0. Floyd's making too much money to, to deal with to deal with our complaints here. But, uh, Rafe, that'll wrap up another week of Boxeo. You can find me on Twitter at BCampbellCBS. You can find him at Rafe Books. You can slide into our DMs, and your questions will be answered on the show. Hey, check out Rafe on YouTube, right? CNN Philippines Hoop Nation. That's it. Hoop Nation. Uh, it's a show, you know, 12 episode run. Uh, I went out last year to, to, to host it, work, uh, work on it with CNN. Um, all about ba- Philippine basketball, different elements. We've got basketball in prison. We've got basketball in carnivals in the province, pro basketball, college basketball. Uh, the country is as in love with basketball as any other place in the world. And it's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty cool. If you like that sport, uh, you, you know, you, I think you'll, you'll, you'll dig it. So yeah, go, go look it up if you're interested. And if you like that books, you'll definitely dig it. Well, that'll wrap for this week. Rafe, we always leave people with two words. We out. <laughs>